0: Welcome to the Axe Church Podcast. My name is Hunter Croft and I am the worship leader here and I also handle a lot of the media uh, happenings here at the church and so um, I'm here to lead the podcast today. Today I am speaking with Steve Bragg and he is one of our elders and he serves in the Philippines as a missionary most of the time and so he's back here in the States for a little while and is heading back over there in a little bit so luckily we had a chance to uh, grab him and do a podcast with him. You're in for a treat today, so I will get right to it. So today we have Steve Bragg with us today. Glad to have you here with us. He is an elder here at Axe Church, and he serves overseas in the Philippines
1: as a missionary. Um, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Steve Bragg, and I've been with Axe Church um, for about uh, 12 years now, I wow, think. Man. Yeah. So I... I was a pastor who fell from the ministry, uh, wandered in darkness for about 13 years and then, uh, came to the end of that road, um, of heartache and tragedy and got down on my knees and asked if the Lord could help my life. That's when I was 49 years old. Yeah. I'm 60. I'll be 69 in May. So it's nice. a while back. Yeah. But, uh this Through this church, um, uh, the elders were a big part of helping me repair my life, uh, get back on track. I received a challenge to, uh, to do something with my life, and that challenge turned out to be uh, missionaries in the Philippines.
0: Awesome. That's awesome. So how long have you been in the Philippines now?
1: Uh, We got there in August of uh, 2011, so about six and a half years, but we've been serving there since uh, 2005 is when we built the first church there. Oh, nice. So you kind of short-term trips over there, is that what you are doing before you were... Well, we received a $100 challenge, too. There was a message preached on the parable of the talents, Mm. and then uh, some of us were given $100 and asked to invest it into the kingdom. And so uh, that hundred dollars with the prayer of Lord, what do you want me to do with this mm-hmm. um, uh, became a challenge to build a church in my in my my wife's community in the Philippines she's Filipina, and they had no church there, so others got the idea of investing in that also that was in two thousand and five so that hundred dollars became uh pretty close to 4,000. And we, we built a little church there in, uh, called Grace Chapel mm-hmm. in my wife's community. And in 2006, um, we went to the dedication. Very cool. And then, uh, so from 2006 to 2011, uh, we uh, formed a partnership with a Filipino mm-hmm. a pastor who's, who's also a principal of elementary schools. Very cool. Amazing fella, And he... Uh, he did the groundwork, and I raised funds here, in the here, and then finally in 2011, we decided to do this full-time as a family.
0: Nice. Very
1: cool. That's awesome.
0: Um, and so you and I, we actually have a, a connection that I, I met you through this church, but we had a different connection um, in that we both went to Boise Bible College, uh, graduated from there. What year did you graduate from Boise Bible I graduated College? in 79. 79. Okay. And I graduated in... What was last year? 2016. 2017. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) When were you born? I was born in 94. So, yeah. yeah. I was 30 when I graduated. So, oh, wow. Wow. (laughs) That dates me quite a bit. Yeah.
0: I was 23, 22 when I graduated. Is that right? 22. Yeah. 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 I was, I did did the fast track to to get through there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But that was a good, it was a, a good part of my life, even though. After I graduated, I, I fell from the ministry. I had, mm-hmm. I'd had some drug issues and alcohol issues before I entered college and then after they crept back up in my life. But there at that college for four years, I really learned the Bible. Mm-hmm. I really learned the Word of God. Yeah, And that was my... My anchor when I made my turn back... Yeah, yeah. Was, Good to have uh, that to come back to you. ...was knowing God's Word and knowing... Well, I'd forgotten a lot of it, but knowing that's where I needed to go mm-hmm. to get my life back right. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. you even had... Did you have uh, Mr. Cornett while you were there? Dale Cornett. He came uh, He came just as I was Just leaving. as I graduated. Okay. It was Lee yeah. Magnus who taught uh, Greek when I was there. Oh, okay.
0: So he left just as I... He, he was still teaching one class my senior year. Um, he was, and it was just him and three students, uh, learning Greek, their third year of Greek. Right. So, so he was, only got three years of Greek now. Uh, that was, that was the most that anyone was able, like we, everyone had started Greek their sophomore year right. or late. I didn't start Greek to my junior year. So I only had two years of it. Right. I had a couple of friends who were, um, in their third year of Greek with him and, um, yeah. I took
1: two years of Greek. It's two. still Greek.
0: Yeah. Yes. I know. <laughs> uh, so we, we share that in common and, and so that's, that's kind of cool that we had that connection. Um, so I just wanted Plus to... Plus I was there at your graduation. Yes, you were. Yeah. yeah. I didn't, I didn't know you at the time. I didn't even,
1: I had never heard of Axe Church at that point, but you were there. <laughs> Dana, Dana Williamson, mm-hmm. uh, came and did a uh, three and a half month internship Yes, there. I remember that. He's your he's your classmate graduated yeah. with you.
0: So. Yeah, he was a good friend of mine. We we were especially good friends freshman year, um, and then he got really wrapped up in the church he was serving in in Idaho. And so I he just was he was he was on campus for class, and he was gone to right. and it, they were out of town, so he was gone um, serving there. And then so I didn't see him as much after freshman year, but yeah, he was a cool guy. Very yeah, he cool got to do an
1: internship there. It was very cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and then he came back, and he got engaged right away as soon as he got back. And I think they're married now. Yeah, I think I think so.
1: I haven't seen them since Much graduation. Much to the disappointment of some of the Filipino girls. Oh, are they? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
0: tall white guy. Yeah. <laughs> I I went to Cambodia. My aunt and uncle live in Cambodia, and I remember one time my uncle was teaching at a leadership. It was like a leadership training uh, week, and my brother and I were there with them that full that whole week. And um, we didn't really talk to anyone there because they all spoke Khmer and we spoke English. And um, a few of the leaders in the church would talk to us a little bit and they would, um, you know, we'd we'd eat meals with them and stuff like that. But we didn't talk to anybody who was there for the actual um, training. And uh, at the end of that week, all of a sudden, all of the all of the Khmer girls wanted to take pictures with me and my brother, even though we had never talked to them before. Because they're like these tall white guys, you know they they're so fascinated by. Post them on Facebook. But yes, yeah, I'm sure they posted them, and, and it was just so funny to us. I don't it know if like,
1: it's so much of the idea. It's white. You're just different. Yeah, yeah, it's it's from a different country. Yeah,
0: these foreigners are here, and yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's the white that they could tell that we were not from. The, yeah, <laughs> not it from there. Stuck out. Well, we were we were a little more red at that time from, <laughs> from the sun. Right. <laughs> but, yeah, it was, it was a good trip to Cambodia. It was, and it, it, we talked before, we talked about the Philippines and Cambodia, and they seem pretty um, similar, at least climate-wise. You know, yeah. I don't know what, what typical day in, in the Philippines look like for weather, but in Cambodia, a typical day is 95. So when I get up and in the
1: morning, I do a weather report. Mm-hmm. Today is going to be very sunny, hot, mm-hmm. and muggy. Yes, pretty much <laughs> with possible thunderstorms. days a week. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that I I have uh, Phnom Penh, the capital of Cambodia, on my weather app, and I'll just compare the weather today in in Camas, Washington, is forty-five degrees and and rainy. The weather in Phnom Penh today is ninety-five degrees and maybe rainy or just very very humid. <laughs> Always <laughs> very humid there. So uh, I actually enjoyed that weather a lot. It was it was I enjoyed. I enjoyed it, except for one particular day where I was stuck out on a concrete slab and had no shade at all, and I was cooking out there. But so, so tell me, Steve. um, We talked about how how this all began with Grace Chapel and Mm -hmm. in the community that your wife um, is it the one that she grew up in, and then did she move to America? Is that what happened?
1: She she grew up uh, in this community. uh, uh, It's called Patnon, and. her specific area where she uh, is is called Padang, okay. which is a, a barangay, and a barangay is a small community. So the city of Patnong has twenty-eight barangays that mm. it consists of, or, or smaller communities. Okay. <clears throat> so we we built we built a church there in her barangay, in her community where her where she was okay. raised. So how many people live in that barangay? Um. That's a good question. I, I would say probably, two hundred families. Two hundred families. So about a thousand average, people, maybe average of seventy uh, seven per family.
0: Oh, okay. So, fourteen hundred or so. Yeah. So a very small U.S. like rural town,
1: probably about population-wise. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Um, and it's it's all farming. It's all rural. Okay. So, so the it's, island that I'm on, uh, is mostly rural. They've got three large cities where there might be. Fifty to eighty thousand people, but but mostly they're just smaller rural farming mm. communities. Okay, cool, very cool. They still plow with a buffalo. Oh, really? That's yeah. cool. In a wood plow, plow or a, or a metal one. Yeah. And uh, they they hook the they hook the buffalo on a on a yoke and he pulls it through. You know, and they're they're uh, knee deep in water and yeah. mud. So rice patties and rice. They, yeah, the rice paddies. Rice. Do they grow anything else? Yeah, they grow. Uh, they grow some corn. They grow some uh, different kinds of beans. Nice. Yeah, o- cool. on the off season of rice, but the main is either rice or sugarcane.
0: Oh, cool! Very cool. Yeah. That'd be interesting to, to go visit and see. And so, how has your ministry there grown since uh, that small
1: um, church that you started? We, um, <clears throat> when I got there in uh, 2006 for the dedication. There were three, uh, uh, there were two people that had brought the congregation together for the dedication service. And mm-hmm. there was maybe 60, 70 people there for the dedication service. Uh, one was Pastor Alagos. Uh, uh, he, at that time in his 27 years of ministry, he had planted 27 churches. Wow, man. And um, then there was uh, Brother Jojo. Uh, Everybody goes by nicknames there. Mm-hmm. Wadencho Valdez is his name. Oh, I can see why you went by a nickname. <laughs> Shorten <of> that. That's <laughs> a lot better. So, uh, and he was a part of the El Shaddai, um, which is a good story too. Uh, I, I'll tell that story. But okay. uh, he was a part of the El Shaddai, uh, which is a um, w- which is uh, sanctioned by the Catholic Church. Okay. And. Um, they're basically just young people that feel a call to serve God,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and um, and you know they don't have the means or the ability to go to be a priest, so the Catholic Church uses them, mm-hmm. and they their ministry is primarily in the in the remote areas, which all of our churches are yeah yeah they're in remote areas, and so um, uh, they're taught primarily by discipleship, and they just do some awesome preaching and. Uh, their youth groups are dyna- are dynamic. Mm-hmm. They have very little training by the Catholic Church. And and so what they do is uh, they're sent out like the 70 in the Bible, mm-hmm. and they're not allowed to carry anything with them. They can't carry any money. They can't carry any clothes. They can't carry any food.
2: Hmm.
1: Uh, they can only carry a Bible.
2: Hmm.
1: That's cool. Yeah. I mean, scary, but cool. <laughs> yeah, it is. And, uh, and uh, before... Uh, uh, Pastor Jojo joined us. He was eight years as their administrator for that for our island, which is one of the bigger islands, and so it's it's all done by discipleship. But for eight years now, he and uh, has traveled each week. They get an assignment to go to a to go to a barangay in a remote area and these places are remote the, the best way to describe them is jungle yeah, yeah out in the jungle i
0: think i've seen pictures that you've put on facebook and it it looks like you're in the jungle and then off in the distance in the jungle is a little house that's yeah. still
1: part of the jungle yeah a little bamboo house <laughs> yeah so um so that's so what they do is they they get together on monday and they and uh, they don't all have bibles so they study together and they figure out what their message is going to be and they're allowed to carry the Bible with them, and they'll go to maybe several communities that week. And they're reading the Bible. They're looking for messages. They're looking for devotions. And uh, eventually, they discover by reading the Bible that what it teaches is not the same as the Catholic Church. Oh. And um, so a a lot of them have to come to a decision of, what do I do with this? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, the, the Bible is telling me something entirely different than what I've been raised. And they reach a point where they have to make a decision. What do I do with this truth that God has revealed to me? Mm-hmm. And some of them stay in as a ministry, uh, and uh, some of them never never make the transition. And some of them eventually leave, mm-hmm. and, and they'll start independent churches. Well, Jojo was one of those. After after eight years or ten years of just reading his Bible every day, every week, uh, he had come to a place where he could no longer teach the Catholic doctrine. Mm-hmm. And um, so he he was one of the people that had called the congregation together, but at that time he was hoping to use the chapel for his uh, El Shaddai meetings, which he did in the beginning.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then Pastor Alagos at that time was... was uh, uh, was in a denomination, and um, uh, so Pastor Alagos and I became great friends. But mm-hmm. uh, we all became great friends, yeah. all three of yeah. us, just instantly. But I, but JoJo went back into the El Shaddai denomination, and I uh, formed a u- unique relationship with Pastor Alagos. He knows the language. He knows the culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, on our island, there are, are seven different cultures and seven different languages. Man, and those languages can't communicate with each other.
0: Really, it's not like just different dialects of the same language. It's
1: it's different dialects, but they don't communicate with each other. Oh, okay. They're totally different. Interesting. Uh, they have a they have a common language. It's now called Filipino. It used to be called Tagalog. And uh, but you have to be educated to learn Tagalog because most kids are just raised in their own dialect. Mm-hmm. So, when we travel to different churches, that's one of his skills. Is he, we tried to count how many languages he knows, and it's somewhere around 16. Man, yeah. That's, that's impressive. It is impressive. He's impressive. And he's just, you know, he's just a man of God in every way. And God married the two of us together. And uh, so, for, from 2006 to 2011, uh, I was. Uh, I was getting people excited about the ministry and people were were contributing money. We planted two more churches.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so by the time I got there uh, in 2011, we were three churches already. Wow. And uh, when I got there in 2011, I, 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 I knew that we were called to full-time ministry and I knew we had planted some churches, uh, but I, I didn't really understand what that ministry would look like, what my role in the ministry would look like. Mm -hmm. And uh, shortly after I got there, uh, Pastor Lago says, we want to go plant a church in Esperar. And I said, okay. And I had enough money with me to do a church plant. Mm -hmm. At that time, we did uh, a two-night concert uh, where we would do, you know, sing a lot of Christian songs. The teenagers, they would do skits and... uh, and, uh, dances, interpretive dances, all Christian. And then Pastor Lagos would preach a sermon. And uh, so of course, you know, the, these, these are very, very remote communities and you do something big like this and everybody turns out. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we did that the first night he had, a, he had an altar call the first night and we had uh, maybe 40 or 50 people. Wow. Including the Brongai captain. Yeah. And uh, she ran up, she just ran up when he, when he did the altar call. tears just shooting out of her eyes. And, um, so what we do, we did that for two nights Mm -hmm. and what we do is we, we get the names of the people that come forward and then, and then we, uh, uh, we do a visitation. Mm-hmm. We start little Bible studies. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes two or three or four, depending on, on how big the community is. And the idea is that over time, over several months, we move those Bible studies together. Yeah, yeah. Where they're cool. all together. Mm-hmm. And then we start we start a worship service. Mm-hmm. Usually in somebody's home, Esperar. The worship service was two worship service because there was too many people. Mm-hmm. So we have uh, uh, both of them are what we call house churches. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then eventually, if it's big enough, then we go in and we we uh, do a concrete uh, church that they can worship in and from their ministries are launched. Or sometimes the communities are very small and the house church just makes the most sense. Yeah. So out of the 30 churches we have now, we have... Uh, let me see if I remember the numbers right. Maybe I'll get them wrong. I think it's uh, 18 churches that have concrete buildings. Oh, okay. So it's not like a rare thing that that happens. No. And then uh, the rest of them, whatever that number is, 12, 12. or 13, is uh, is uh, our house churches. Very cool. That's that's really cool. And they all have their own pastor. They all have that loves on them and... and uh, and is a you know a part of their community mm-hmm. understands their language understands their culture because yeah. the cultures can even the cultures can be very very different yeah from one barangay to the next or one one city to the next so they're very
0: um, very diverse it's not like a common culture really among even among an island in yes. the Philippines is that that sounds how does that happen and how do how do they stay so um, I don't know is the word homogenous or or how, how do they um, keep such unique cultures um, among their all those
1: people how do they do that um, the the church is Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and so the church is based upon on him mm-hmm. and, and the confession of him mm-hmm um, uh, Matthew sixteen, you know, who do people say that I am? You are yeah. the Christ, the Son of the Living God. And then, in eighteen, Jesus says, "Well, upon this, I upon this, I will build my church," which is the confession of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So he is the church, and all of those that have been saved uh, become his church. Mm-hmm. Um, and in First uh, Corinthians uh, chapter one verse two, it says, uh, "To the church of God that's in Corinth." So the church of God is in all, all cities and everyone, and everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord uh, mm-hmm. God, in every place. Yeah. So, each of these communities have come to know Jesus Christ mm-hmm. as their Lord and Savior, and therefore, uh, they they are the church in that local community, mm-hmm. and they come together on Sunday to worship and praise God, but they'll do it in such a way that that is unique to their own. Their own culture, mm-hmm. uh, so, so the the songs can be different. The way that they worship can be different. Uh, the style it depends a lot on the pastor. Yeah, you know, what their backgrounds are. Some of our pastors come from a, uh, our pastors come from many different denominations. Mm-hmm. But like JoJo, they've they've been reading the Bible and they they come to know God uniquely.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, so some so some of our churches have a little bit of a higher um, worship service, you know, that's more, um, I'm looking for the word liturgical. Yeah, liturgical. Mm -hmm. And some of them are very, very loose. Mm
3: -hmm. Uh,
1: But they're, but they're all people that have been saved by the Lord Jesus Christ, worshiping God for the many praises and the things that he's done in their lives. Very cool.
0: And so by having, instead of one pastor overseeing, you know, 15 churches and one pastor overseeing 15, the other 15 churches, you have, uh, a local pastor in each of these churches that's able to, I think that's, that's really important when you're doing mission work is to be able to, um, allow them to have as much of their culture, um, un, how, how do I say this? Unscathed, I guess. Um, I yeah. think... I, like we were talking about I'm, the other day I'm not
1: I'm not trying to make them uh, I don't want them to be an American church Yes yeah yeah and it's really easy for us to do cuz I mean American churches got their own unique problems yeah, you know yeah. we don't want to bring them there but awesome. um but to let them worship God is they Uh, that's unique to their culture. Mm -hmm. I mean, like some churches like fast songs, some church in America. Yes, yeah. uh, Some of them like, uh, you know, they want to dance and dance in the aisles. And um, I remember I was visiting one church with a friend and they did a lot of dancing. They were really moving. (laughs) And I was trying. I'm not really that way. And he looked (laughs) over at me and he says, you know, you don't have much soul, but you got a little bit of rhythm. (laughs) Uh, I, I didn't quite fit there. I enjoyed their worship; I yeah. uh, really did. I'm uh, so. What songs they sing can be different from mm-hmm. church to church.
0: Are they writing their own songs? To no. Okay, uh, so they're they're finding other songs. Well, some translating of them. I've, them?
1: I've, I've got a pastor that does write his own songs. Oh, very cool. Yeah, he's pretty talented in it. That's cool.
0: Yeah. Well, very neat. That's 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 awesome. Um, to see how that. How that's and it's that's all happened in the last at most 15 years right
1: well uh, less than that I, I we when I when we arrived in 2011 we were three there churches, were three churches and, and now we're
0: now at we're 30. 30 so
1: 27 of those have come in the last six and a half years th- yeah that's you know, that's amazing and we're on target to add
0: maybe three three more churches this year Wow that's very cool yeah so Steve how has the approach um, you, you mentioned how you'd start with with a... Um,
1: Tonight Crusade.
0: Yeah, yeah, like an event, which uh, I imagine there's not a whole lot of events in a, in a small community like that. So everyone comes out to the event, right. and then you you do follow-ups, and you have these small house churches all meeting, and then they kind of congregate into one larger church. Has that changed at all over the years of, of planting churches? It has.
1: Um, uh, River Rock Church... Uh, um, Philippines does something, um, we, we try to uh, combine the social gospel with, with, with the gospel of mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Jesus did that. You know, when he went into a town, he healed people, um, you know, he showed his compassion, he showed mm-hmm. his love for and them, and then he gave them the message. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> that's kind of what we do there. We, we have feeding programs for children in a lot of our churches, especially when we first go in. Uh, Weekly, we'll feed the children a nutritious meal. Most of them in these communities are uh, moderate to severely malnourished. Mm -hmm. Uh, In one little tiny community we went into that had uh, only 50 or 60 homes, we identified 69 children that were moderate to severely malnourished. And we've discovered by going in with uh, once a week feeding them a very nutritious meal... Um, it really makes a big difference, mm. and um, and they see our love for them, you know. Through this, mm-hmm. uh, we're not just going in and, and talking about the love of Jesus, yeah. but we're actually demonstrating it. A lot of our a lot of our people have have gotten clothes together and sent boxes of clothes together, and we come into communities with with new clothes. I remember we got a uh, we at one time we got seventeen boxes and. And several of them had baby clothes in them. Mm-hmm. Well, we had some some unique communities where there were a lot of young mothers and babies. Yeah. And, you know, and, and you show up and th- these people are, are worried about whether or not they're going to eat one meal a day. Yeah. And so a lot of times, uh, you know, clothes is, a, is something, uh, is on the back burner as far as survival goes. And, you know, sometimes we'll see... Uh, children, they'll have the one child will just have a a, a, a white t-shirt that's black now mm-hmm. and no pants. Yeah. And, and the other child will have the pants. Yeah. And wow. and no t-shirt. And you know when you go in and, and these mothers are getting one, two or three clothes for their kids and maybe even something for them Why mm-hmm. um, it just makes a big difference in the community. So and then when uh, when uh, the super typhoon Yolanda hit in um, 2013, uh, that passed right over the top of our island. It literally, mm-hmm. every tree on our island was decapitated. Wow! I mean, uh, that was that super typhoon. Was, broke every measurable record of a typhoon. Man. And. Um, so we went in there. Uh, I, I asked the Lord to help us do something, and you know, we raised pretty close to ninety thousand dollars of people sending us money. And so we bought rice, sacks of rice, would go in a community with some, with sometimes five, six thousand pounds of rice, yeah, and um, distributing the rice. And then, and a lot of the times, so we'd re- receive these boxes that would have clothes or or blankets, or cooking utensils, and things like that. So River Rock Church Philippines has earned a reputation. Mm-hmm. And so it's no longer us looking for churches. We get invitations from all over the Philippines to come start churches. Because
0: mm-hmm. I yeah. know, regardless of, of their knowledge of, of what you do spiritually, they know that, that physically it is good for their community. Socially, it is good for their community.
1: It is, because uh, not only is that reputation just in what we can do for them through the social gospel, but there's a transformation that happens in these communities. When When you go in, uh, the communities we go into, one of the things, uh, the way we, we pick a community, it, it has to have no church at all. Mm-hmm. And so most of the time we're going in, Um, we're going in with a fresh gospel. They've never heard it, or they've Mm -hmm. never heard a biblical gospel. Would they have heard
0: um, Catholic doctrine before? Yes. Okay, so everybody there is pretty much...
1: Everybody, even the remote villages, they'll get a visit from the Catholic priest once a year, Mm -hmm. usually during the festival. Mm -hmm. And uh, so usually there's some sort of a place where where they can worship... Uh, as a Catholic Church but uh, so they've never heard the the biblical gospel
2: mm-hmm.
1: and so um <clears throat> when we go in and and people uh, start responding to the gospel they surrender their lives they ask for forgiveness they they the the sin has been removed as a barrier between them and God mm-hmm. and now God and they start praying mm-hmm and God starts hearing their prayers mm-hmm. and answering prayers. Yeah, God does a, tr- a tremendous transformation in communities. Wow. Crops get better, water gets better, the health of the people gets better, sicknesses uh, are not as much. In, in one in one town we went into Tagampai and on another island we have fifteen churches on Pala- on the island of Palawan, and fifteen on our island, which is Panay. But over on Palawan, we uh, the second church we started there in Taganpi, that community flooded every year
2: because
1: mm. there's typhoons every year. Yeah, and every year, and sometimes they would get eight to ten inches of water Man. every year. Of all of their houses were built on 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 um, stilts. Stilts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, we went in there and um, and we started a church. You know that was four years ago. They've never flooded since then. Really? Wow! In four years, they've never had a flood yeah. since we started the church. Uh, that's a God thing.
0: Yeah, I that's
1: mean, amazing. that's a God thing. So, so, so people are starting to raise crops. Uh, they're having, you know, they're before they they couldn't raise crops. Uh, they couldn't, you know, if they raised chickens, they were they were, you know, attached to the side of the house. They couldn't yeah. put them on the ground. They yeah. couldn't raise pigs on the ground. I remember one house we stayed in. We had to walk a plank out to the bathroom, which was on stilts. Yeah. And then uh, there at the bathroom uh, on the other side of the wall is uh, is a pig <laughs> <laughs> that they're raising. They all just live on stilts. Yeah. And uh, so, but with with uh, the weather and God's blessing, that community it, it is transformed. The, the The community leaders now... Uh, they recognize that transformation. Mm-hmm. And uh, so now they uh, are actually helping us get into other remote communities. Mm-hmm. Not so much, uh, you know, part of it's the social gospel, but a lot of it is, you know, now they're going to church, now they understand the gospel, mm-hmm. and they're evangelistic in that they want to start new churches. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, the only thing holding us back from being a hundred churches right now is enough leaders. Yeah. Yeah, that is that is
0: something that it, it I remember encountering in Cambodia was they could be they could be sending out and planting so many churches, but they just needed to the, the leaders needed more time to to develop and, and spiritual maturity before they were able they, they were they became Christians a year ago. How could they right. go out and 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 I mean for sure God does it, but um I think as a standard that's it takes more time to to raise leaders so how what is there a, a program you go through or or how how are leaders chosen
1: and and developed in, in the field? God has been really good about bringing us um there's several different ways mm-hmm. <laughs> one of them is God has been very good about bringing us mature pastors mm-hmm. like pastor jojo is is a good example of that. Um, uh, we have another one, uh, Pastor Lachica, who's closer to my age, and uh, he was in a denomination that was more about titles and positions and things. And he has a heart just to start churches. He just yeah. wants to start churches, yeah. and so he came to us and he started talking with us and make make sure we had similar doctrines and teachings and things like that. And he said, "I I, I have one goal, and that's he at." at 59 years old, he said, Lord, keep me alive long enough to build five churches, five more churches.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And so he's uh, he's 68 now, and he's planted four. I'm a little bit worried, you know what I mean? I mean yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe I want some up to plant another church. <laughs> he's already saying, okay, this one's planted. I need to go start another one. So uh, the other thing is, is that the Philippines is 65% young people. Mm-hmm. That's very similar to Cambodia as well. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, uh, the strength of the church is our young people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that includes the, the very young, the very uh, the youth that are very young. But we mm-hmm. have a lot of kids that are in... I call them kids, and that's because I'm 69. <laughs> um, the, our high school, uh, college, we have several of them this year that are graduating college with teacher certificates. And... Um, the ratio of women to men uh, that attend churches it's, it's overwhelmingly women mm. and children. Uh, and that's a cultural thing. We're trying to break through that. We have yeah. some ways that we're purposefully uh, trying to reach men, and we're starting to reach men. We've got, we just brought in uh, another six or seven teenage youth into one of our churches, and they're all guys. Oh, cool. Yeah, and they're really excited. Kind of jumpstart the. The male right. side of but, the church, but we but we have both, and so uh, I've learned that that you take advantage of what God brings you, and so we have we have uh, several uh, teenage girls mm-hmm. and boys mm-hmm. um, that are now being the leadership of the church I mean they've been in the church three or four years yeah uh, all of these guys are graduating well most of them are graduating with teacher certificates this year mm-hmm. so they're not they know how to put a lesson plan together they know how to dig for information and they're called by God you can just tell when you hear them teach or preach uh, that um, so they're putting all the tools together and so, we used to i used to say you are the next generation and about a year and a half ago i said i'm going to stop saying that <laughs> they aren't the next generation they are today's generation yeah. and so now right now we've got uh between both islands i would say we have a dozen or more mm-hmm. young people uh both 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 men and women
2: mm-hmm. uh
1: But very very talented people, kids. uh, They're educated, or they're getting in high school or college, and uh, they're just sharp, sharp young people. And so they're reaching others. Mm -hmm. That was how these new six or seven new new guys were brought in. And who are these guys? You know, and and they're just excited. They just show up for everything. And so they're you know they're being trained. So what we decided to do was. Because like we have pastors from different denominations, mm-hmm. um, we have a youth that are that are coming up. They've been they've been going to church every day. I mean, every Sunday they've been part of a teaching sessions that we've done, and and we have discipleship classes. You know, so so they're learning. But uh, I, you know, I'm sixty nine years old, and Pastor Alagos is in his late fifties, a Filipino man. Uh, his typical age is late 50s, early 60s is their their typi- typical life expectancy. Mm-hmm. So how does this church continue to grow and how do I fill in all of the gaps uh, from the different denominations teaching so that we're all on one page? Uh, Ephesians 4 says that he gave uh, apostles and prophets and, uh, and evangelists and teachers uh, for the equipping of the saints so that we might come to a mature faith. Mm-hmm. A unified faith. Mm-hmm. And so how, how do how do we accomplish that? So we started a T program, a, a theological education by extension. Mm-hmm. And that's a book program, that's a rope learning program. It starts out with the basics, who's God, who's Jesus Christ, what's the church? And then the next one is how do I live this Christian life? And then they have some on the book of Acts and the first and second Corinthians, Romans. And so, on both islands now, we're using these tea programs where we meet once a week, and we're just going through all, through all of the learning.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, the 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 new the young people that are teaching now they can use these books. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can use the book as references to teach from. Uh, they can get people together and lead others through the through the programs. Plus, they're learning the basic knowledge. But how do you keep the church going? Well. The church is based upon Jesus Christ, and it's the Bible who reveals who God is. Mm -hmm. Uh, For for me, the the Bible is not just a place to learn a bunch of teachings Mm -hmm. and to make sure we're all on the same page with what does this teaching mean, but it reveals God. Mm -hmm. Its purpose is to God reveal Himself as written by the Holy Spirit so that we might know God. Yeah, and and know who we are, and know how that know what that means, how we connect, and so my goal now is to give them a good foundation in the Bible where they learn who God is, mm-hmm. and if they're all studying out of the same Bible, mm-hmm. and they all have the same tools to be able to understand God's Word, uh, as, as He wants us to understand it, not as we want want it to say, but yeah. how does God? So we started a, 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 a more in-depth. And so um, last year at our convention, we have a annual convention and then uh, where we get all the pastors and church leaders together. And then mm-hmm. we also have a, a youth camp where we get all the youth together. Mm-hmm. So there's two times when all the churches from both islands come together. So last year we invited um, uh, Pastor uh, Joshua Williamson. Okay. And... Um, from Hawaii, oh, nice. and he brought five, six, six of their youth to the youth camp, mm-hmm. and then we had him back out again. Uh, this uh, in uh, in uh, October mm-hmm. for the convention. He taught biblical preaching. Mm-hmm. How, how do you preach being true to what the passages are saying?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, not a, you can do it topically, but it's. Easier to do it exegetically, where you're just saying, okay, let's verse by verse, what is this saying? How does it fit? How does it fit in the context, the immediate context, the larger context, and so Mm -hmm. on? And then how do you deliver a message based upon uh, what God is trying to say? Mm -hmm. Being true to what God's revealing about himself, you need to be true to be able to Mm-hmm. Teach that in a good way. Mm-hmm. So he did three days of that intense. He did <laughs> he did seventeen lessons in three days. I felt so sorry for oh, him. Oh wow! And then uh, and then Dr. Voorhees of uh, Boise Bible College, yes. yeah, who's the new new president of Boise Bible College. When I was out at the convention in May, he kept wondering, "How do I help? How do I how do I help what you guys are doing?"
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then finally, he came up with the idea of. I'd like to teach a biblical interpretation.
0: Mm-hmm. I took that class with him.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, oh, man, this fits. You know, that's a yeah. God thing. Here I am. And it's a college president, a professor who wants to come out to the Philippines and teach us how do you study the Bible mm-hmm. correctly. Yeah. But not not to go at it and say, you know, there's what my pastor taught me or my church taught me or or here's what I think it says.
2: Mm-hmm. But how do you
1: humble but, yourself? How, yeah. How do you... How do you read it in such a way that you allow God to reveal Himself to you, and not inject your own desires yeah. and, and and we biases. do that. We, yeah. we want God to we want God to be good as long as He fits our notion yeah. of good. Yeah, or we want God to be just as long as we He fits our notion of justice. Yeah, yeah. Or salvation, or, or church, or whatever.
0: It could be it could be very innocent in that um, something that is true. You really want to preach about, and so you you're trying to get something that you know to be true out of a scripture that is not saying that particular truth. and, exactly. and You you end up missing the truth altogether because you you miss. And the truth is greater scripture. than
1: what you were trying to uh, trying yes. to inject
0: into it. Yes. Exactly.
1: That's awesome because. I've,
0: I've encountered that myself. <laughs> I've gone, oh, I think I'm
1: missing what the scripture's talking uh, I, about. I kind of had those two backwards. We should have had Dr. Voorhees first. Oh, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> how do how do I read from the Bible to understand what God's trying to say? And then and then uh, Pastor Joshua, how do I how do I communicate this? Yes. He got it backwards. But these these kids, these uh, kids, these young people and and the pastors were just drinking it up. Mm-hmm. And um, I would test them, you know. Sometimes the high school kids, seniors or juniors, or even a college. Kid, I would test them. I would ask them, "What do you think about when he said this or that?" And they're thoughtful, and they're mm-hmm. writing things down, and they're learning. They're like sponges. Yeah. They, 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 um, uh, and so it's working.
0: Yeah, it's not just going over their heads. They're right.
1: They're engaging with it. And and the both Joshua uh, Pastor Joshua and Doctor Voorhees were very keen on being able to teach at their level, Mm -hmm. and their level, uh, 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 what we decided was a freshman freshman college level is the way we taught those two courses. Mm -hmm. Now we've got one more coming up, and Pastor David's coming. Oh, yes. Yeah. And he's going to teach apologetics. Very cool. So how do I know how do I know my faith? Is is the Bible that I believe in really the Bible? Is it reliable? Mm-hmm. Is the God I believe in is there a real? Is he is it really a God or is this just blind faith? Yeah, you know what I mean. And uh, so if I'm going to dedicate my life to something, I want to know that it, it's real. Mm-hmm. And so now he'll give them that foundation of your faith is solid, and here's how to defend that faith, and here's how to teach in such a way that when people have questions about, uh, was there really a flood? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or uh, did, did, uh, did uh, the Israelites walk on dry ground or did they go through the Red Sea in 10 inches of water? You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, did God really create in six days?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, if he didn't, a whole lot of the Bible is wrong. Mm-hmm. And if it's wrong, if, if, if all of the, everything that talks, even in the New Testament talks about God creating the world, so if you take all of those verses out that he, that he didn't create in six days, oh, well, how much of the rest of the Bible is not true?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: You know what I mean? Yeah. So once you understand that the Bible is real and you know why it's real mm-hmm. and why it's the truth, and you can defend it in your own heart and in the heart of someone else. So I, I think with those three tools, I don't know what's coming after that, but I think with those three tools plus the T the program, Mm-hmm. We're raising uh, a lot of people without Bible college, uh, but raising them to know their faith, to know their Bible, to be able to go to the Bible, to understand it, to be able to communicate it well, to be able to defend their faith. And I think we're just giving them the key so that the church continues as his church. Mm-hmm. Not, not my church, not Pastor Olago's church, not River Rock Church Philippines church. What do we teach? Mm-hmm. What do we believe? Yeah. But they have the Bible. What does Bible teach? Like Pastor Jojo, Mm -hmm. he's reading the Bible for ten years, and he's going, "Wait a minute! This (sighs) is not saying what I used to believe." Yeah, and so that's the beauty of being God's church. Yeah, and His church in the Philippines.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: It's unique. Yes, it's still His church. It's still all about Him. It's still all about God. But it, but it fits their culture. And and so they they have a faith that's real to them, very, very real. Pastor Dana, when he came out to do his internship, he said, "Uh, I learned the God that's contained in the pages of the Bible, but I'm seeing him as much greater than a God that's just contained in the Bible. Mm -hmm. So many times God shows up in miraculous healings or casting out of demons and... Uh, evil, very, very present. Evil, uh, people trying to kill us or harm us, um, and God taking us through all of those trials. Mm-hmm. God's real, and mm-hmm. when you know when they when they pray, when these Filipinos pray, Lord, I, I I need to be able to feed my children. They're hungry, and God shows up. Mm-hmm. You know, witchcraft is big there. Really, why? Because they have no hope. Mm-hmm their child gets sick, they have they have no way to go to the doctor, they have no way to buy medicine, um, th- they have no way to help that child. Mm-hmm. The child's either going to get better or he's going to die.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And there's nothing outside of that that can help it. Yeah. So that's why the local witch doctor is so powerful. Mm-hmm. Yes, he does incantations and blows smoke in their face, you know, whatever. that he, That's their only hope.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, when we come in there with Jesus Christ and God is real, mm-hmm. God does answer prayers and God does healings and He does miraculous things and he, he does make sure that your kids are going to be able to go to school if you're down on your knees asking Him for that mm-hmm. or or uh, to, to feed a hungry child that's crying because it's hungry. God does answer prayers. He's real. And that becomes very, very real in a culture that's very, very poor and very, very dependent. Mm-hmm. And when you teach them to depend on a God- who's faithful, who's really real, mm-hmm. uh, you see, just see God in such a, a, a different way, a miraculous way, a powerful way, a majestic way, and He's an awesome God. That's awesome. Very
0: cool. Now, you, um, I, I heard mentioned that you're writing a book mm-hmm. currently. Uh, what, what's that book about? What's, what, what's it, what
1: are you hoping it will be? This is my second book. The first book, uh, as I said in the beginning, <clears throat> excuse me, I I fell from the ministry mm-hmm. and, um, um, and then came back. It was 13 years I wandered in darkness and then 13 years in preparation to get me ready again to serve the Lord. Mm-hmm. And during that time, um, I had been divorced. Um, I had done some things that, you know, uh, are shameful,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and I didn't think God could use my life again. And uh, much to my surprise, um, God has not only forgiven me but He's restored my life, and He's given me a ministry this time that's mu- much greater than I could have ever imagined mm-hmm. or thought. Yeah, and this is it's, it's so much of a uh, awesome thing for me. I, the book, I, the first book, is called "Get Up, God's Not Finished with You." Yeah. That's and so
0: cool.
1: that's it, cool. it's about that process. Yeah. And then this book, uh, I'm at the final stages of editing, and I hope it's going to be out in three or four weeks. But huh? um, it's, it's called The Enemy is Roaring and the Lord is Blessing. Very cool. And it's stories about, you know, when we go into these communities, there's reasons why the church has not been there before. Mm-hmm. There are some very strong, powerful strongholds and forces that have kept the church out. Mm-hmm. And, and they're different in each church. And that's the enemy roaring. Mm-hmm. And in the different ways that, in, and so it's stories about starting the different churches and the roaring of the lion, uh, the, the fierce roaring of him. He has no teeth. Uh-huh. You know, as Job said, he has no teeth, yeah. uh, but he roars fiercely. And so, but we, we come in the name of Jesus Christ. You know, this is his church uh, and it's in his name. Uh, And, 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 and we're just simply sharing the gospel that brings people to him, not us, not to a church. They're not coming to River Rock Church Philippines or particular teachings or doctrines. We're, we're leading them to Jesus Christ in his name for Mm -hmm. his church, for his glory and their salvation. And. When, when when those dark forces come up against Jesus Christ, uh, come up against his church. Remember Matthew 16, uh, upon this confession I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Mm-hmm. And so it's those stories of how the gates of hell have tried to prevent us from going. And sometimes even after we get the church built, then the forces come in. There's so many people that wanna, I mean, after we've invested uh, a lot of money in building a church building and mm-hmm. buying some land now people want to come in and take it over <laughs> you know what I mean it's not how so works. it's it's a compilation of stories of these pastors and these events of how you know, the enemy has tried to keep us out and God has helped us to be uh, victorious and and allowed us to be a part of that that wondrous plan of taking the gospel to the people that really need it very cool. Yeah. So,
0: do you have any of those stories that you want to share today? Do you have, do you have time for? Any yes, of those? I do. Um,
1: there's a story about Bibi. You know, the the background oh, she was healed. Uh, the background of this was, um, Pastor Jojo uh, was in an area controlled by the MPA, which is the New People's Army. Mm-hmm. And it's a rebel force; it's a communist rebel force, and they were very active in the mid uh, '80s and late '80s. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, they're a guerrilla army force, mm-hmm. and so they're they they they're not so active now. Although just recently, within the last six months, because of ISIS coming back in, they're they're becoming more active. But hmm. but during this time, a uh, year and a half ago, two years ago. They were pretty much inactive, and, and it, they live in mountainous areas that are quite defendable, mm-hmm. um, uh, very defendable from the Filipino army or police force coming in, mm-hmm. and uh, their fortresses. The, the whole area is a fortress, the mountains, the valleys, and everything, they use them so, to protect themselves and to protect their people that are inside. Well, Pastor Jojo's uncle... Uh, is the commander of the mpa for that area wow and his father uh, who's passed away was uh, known for his legendary bravery as a as one of those and another uncle teaches uh, um, combat so he he as a young man um, you know as a teenager tried marijuana and got into a little bit of trouble but then he found the Lord, which was in the Catholic Church, and his life became something entirely different. And so, the, for that eight years, as he's visiting these churches, he's finding ways to take them food and finding ways to help them. And his heart is for them. And then he and then he comes to River Rock Church, Philippines, and and we've been we planted a church in Esperar that was that church, mm-hmm. and we had no pastor uh-huh. uh, for almost two years. We had no pastor. Pastor Lagos and I were going up there. And so when Jojo comes and asks to to join us, he says, I really, I want to have a church somewhere. I'd like to have a church in my hometown. Well, his hometown is (laughs) (laughs) So How fortunate. Yeah. So anyway, uh, this is kind of the background, but uh, so the NPA now, as we uh, establish the uh, Esperar Church, and then Pastor Jojo starts reaching out to another community called Calapadan, which is further into their area. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, before he could go there, start a house church. It's still a house church. Before he could go there, he had to get permission. And his uncle said, who's the commander, he said, you just give me a couple of weeks. Let me make sure that everybody's good with it, and you're going to be safe coming in. And so he got permission to go in, and he started a little... A little um, House church there, just a beautiful area. But as you go through, there's a killing field. There's, wow. I, mean, I mean, it's it's quite something. And people will come in and out with motorcycles and and watch us. They're protecting us mm-hmm. uh, because also in these uh, areas are high criminal element mm. uh, because there's no police, there's no yeah, army. They yeah. can't. They're too afraid they're to keeping go up. The there. army out. So. As as Pastor Jojo says, even the salesman won't go there. So, <laughs> so. Well, there's there's a silver lining. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, uh, his the NPA, the commander of the NPA says, River Rock churches, they're like us, uh, and that they have a heart for the people. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why they're rebel force. They try to protect them against a. A terrible dictator and things like that that were coming in. So okay. Um, uh, so now when we go into those areas, we're protected.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: We're protected by the MPA, Yeah, which is, which is pretty cool. So when the when uh, when visiting pastors come, we'll take them up to Calapadon, mm-hmm. and because uh, we know we're safe there. It's in a very dangerous area. Yeah, you wouldn't <laughs> want to go up there by yourself but we're actually protected from the criminal element and 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 the word is put out don't don't touch these people. Uh-huh. And we go into some, a really nice area that people are just so in fact when I mentioned the one of the communities where it was mostly young mothers and and mm-hmm. babies this was one this of them. This is one of them. Yeah. And it's, it's just fantastic. So anyway, my wife and I and and Pastor Jojo and his wife Gigi uh uh we're making a trip up there, and we go up. There's a the last portion is you go up 75 cement steps through a very narrow, narrow opening that's high mountain on on both sides, and you, mm-hmm. you climb these. They've cemented the steps. You climb the steps. You get up to the top, and there's a plateau, and then you walk out about uh, two or three hundred feet, and then opens up into one of the most beautiful valleys you've ever seen.
0: Wow,
1: just. Thick with rice and, and the, the mountains that surround it are full of banana trees and coconut trees. And I don't know how many different kinds of, kinds of bananas they have there. I, yeah. think there. I think there's a dozen different. Kind of like we have so many different apples they have. Oh, man, it's just amazing. That's cool. Root crops and everything. They're just totally self-sufficient. So anyway, we, we get up to the plateau and and Jojo says, I want to introduce you to someone. The guy Captain. We've been there several times, hadn't met the guy Captain. And so uh, we get up to the plateau, and off to the right, down in the valley, is a bamboo, typical bamboo house. And as we get there, you know, you can see holes uh, through the walls, and uh, usually the uh, the entrance is a dirt floor, and then they they built up a th- uh, three or four feet, and then they have a flat area that's bamboo floor for the where they sleep. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we get there, and there's kind of makeshift benches out there. And after climbing up those 75 cement steps, you're a little bit winded. So so we sit down there and this uh, small uh, young lady, uh, I thought maybe she was 14 or 15, just very small, came out and pretty and a uh, big smile on her face. She began speaking in English, hmm. perfect English. I mean, very, very good English. And I'm going to myself, Wow. This, this lady is is educated, and she's obviously older than 13 or 14. Yeah, yeah. And come to find out, she had just gotten back from... She went to uh, college in Manila mm. and earned a degree in information technology. Wow. And uh, so as she's telling me the story, she got hired by Petron Corporation, which is the largest oil cor- corporation in, in Manila. Mm. And I'm thinking to myself, "Wow, uh, here's a here's a dirt floor yeah. bamboo house." She goes to one of the best colleges in Manila, does well enough uh, that she gets hired by a major corporation. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, "Wow, what a blessing!
3: Uh-huh.
1: What, what what a huge blessing!" Because what's typical about the Filipino people is. They will sacrifice. I mean, they've probably mortgaged all of their land and mm-hmm. begged and borrowed money from from distant cousins, and you know, all to make this all happen. Mm-hmm. They've sacrificed a lot, and so when, when a child gets through college, and, and if they actually get a job, which is mm-hmm. pretty remote, but if they get a job, then what they do is they help their family. Yeah, that's what my wife did. Uh, when she graduated she couldn't earn in, as a teacher she couldn't earn enough money as a teacher so she went to Hong Kong mm-hmm. worked there for eight years and she paid off all the family debts because mm-hmm. the mother and father had sent her and her six siblings through college plus she uh, sent several of her nieces through college and wow. and so that's the, that's the Filipino culture that's typical mm-hmm. so I'm thinking to myself, wow this is going to be a huge blessing uh-huh. Uh, she got a job. She graduated from college, an awesome job. She's going to get paid good money there at Petron. And so I've got a big smile on my face. Well, she said, uh, Well, I, I had, when I went up there for the job, she had to get a medical. Uh, 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 she had to get a medical. And so she went in there and they discovered that she has rheumatic heart disease. Hmm. I noticed she had just a little bit of a limp. And romantic heart disease is curable, but it takes a lot of medicine over a long period of time, a year or so. Mm-hmm. This family can't afford. I mean, one one month of medicine would be the equivalent to all of the money that they would make in three months. Wow. And that's pretty typical for the Philippines. I mean, sometimes they can go to a free clinic and get diagnosed uh, but they don't have the money for the medication yeah, for the medication afterwards and um, a lot of times we've helped people that's we've helped people that have been diagnosed or dying, dying of pneumonia or something and they they they've got the prescription but they can't fill it mm-hmm. and so we've helped some that way even saved some lives where well it's one man was pretty close to death but we were able to go get him the medicine plus prayers and mm-hmm. things and things that are totally curable yeah yeah so here she sits uh, with a with a disease that won't allow her to go to work if untreated could actually be life-threatening hmm. definitely debilitating mm-hmm. and there's no hope mm-hmm. I mean the, all of the hard work that the families and the families and relatives have done all the hard work she did in school um, she's done mm-hmm. she's done all for nothing all for nothing wow So I prayed, and excuse me if I get a little choked up, but I said, you know, God, all human strength has been exhausted. Only you. Only you, Lord make this right. And Lord heal her but do it Lord in such a way that it brings glory and honor to your name so that the people of Kalapadan and this family will know you are God. Mm-hmm. Well, after I prayed the prayer, I I sensed something, uh a connection with BB that was strange, mm-hmm. I, it, not in a bad way, but it was just something different. And so we went and had our worship service and I was preaching and and I could see she was her eyes were moving and they were down and it showed something was going on with her.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I didn't know what it was and I felt a sensitivity to it. And um, then uh, we left and mm-hmm. we, had, we had to go back down another 8 kilometers to Esperar and we did an afternoon service in Esperar.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, we get to Esperar, there was no anything immediate healing. i would never experienced a healing mm-hmm. up until this time. I'd, I'd never experienced anything. Like that, and um, but I knew that the only way to make this right would be through the power of God. Mm-hmm. So we get we get to Esperar, and and I hadn't been to Esperar in a long time, maybe a year or so, and and I get there, and there's a lady in her mid late fifties, and a very small lady, and she comes up and she grabs my hands, and she's looking at me in the eyes, and and saying oh 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 oh, and she's speaking in Filipino, and she's just <laughs> I'm a little bit embarrassed because she won't let go of my hands. And she's just, you know, smiling and speaking to me in Filipino. And and I have no idea what she's talking about. And finally, I worked my way loose. And then she grabs me again. And she's holding my hands, talking to me. And finally, Pastor Jojo walks by. And I said, who, who what's going on here? Who's this lady? Well, when I said that Pastor Lagos and I, before Pastor Jojo went up there, we were going up there Monthly to mm-hmm. this church because they had no pastor, and mm-hmm. one of the house churches was a lady who had huge rashes. Mm-hmm. She had rashes all over her body. Her hair was falling out. She had been to the doctor several times. She had tried several medications, and big, big sores and splotches and red rashes. And she, she was constantly scratching herself. She couldn't, she couldn't stop scratching. Mm-hmm. And she was one of the house churches. So. Three months in a row, we we prayed for a healing for mm-hmm. her. And, and I'd never experienced a healing. And so uh we would pray for a healing and I would immediately open my eyes to see if she's healed. Oh, she's still got, you know, rashes all mm-hmm. over her. So this happened three times. Well, when I this this lady that was grabbing my hands, I didn't recognize her. Oh. This was that lady. I and Pastor see. Joe goes, this is the lady that you prayed for with the rashes. And her skin was nice and clean and her hair had all grown back. Wow. And, uh, and so that's what she was just appreciative. That's why she was grabbing her hands uh-huh. that that the, the prayers work. see, look. Yeah. Wow. So I'm thinking to myself, Lord, are you going to heal Bibi? Mm-hmm. Here's here's the first time I've experienced a healing. This lady standing in front of me, perfectly healed, mm-hmm. and uh, well, rainy season hit hit,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and so that lasts for three months. And you can't get to clap it down with rainy season. And but weekly, I would ask Jojo, "Have you heard from BB? Is she healed?" Because I just, I just kind of felt like that's what was going to happen.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, he would say, "No, I haven't been there yet." So. One day, we're down at one of our other churches in Annanee, and we're done. We're coming back, and we're asked to drop off a youth pastor, and one of his youth and the youth pastor said, can you pray for this lady she's having to drop out of school? She's got rheumatic heart disorder. Mm. And so we prayed for her, and they got out of the van and went in the house. And I turned to my wife, and I said, "Wow, well, isn't that strange? She's got the same disease as Bibi. Have you heard anything about Bibi? And my wife said, no, not yet. And just then, the phone rings, mm-hmm. my phone. Mm-hmm. And I pick it up, and it's Pastor Jojo. And he's excited. He's so excited. He just, the, the fact he's so excited, he can't speak English anymore. He's just forgotten all the English <laughs> words he's speaking to me in Filipino. And I'm going, what, what, what? And finally, he kept saying, Boods, 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 Boods. Well, Boods is my wife's nickname, Boods. Oh, yeah. So I hand the phone to her. She's speaking in Filipino, and she's excited, and she's animated, and her eyes are big, and, 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 and whatever conversation is going on there, it's very, very exciting and fast. And so finally she hangs up the phone, and she looks at me, and she said, Dad, be, be sealed. Wow. We had heard a rumor of her walking to a of a, a far and That would be impossible for her with... So That's we right. thought maybe she had medicine or something. But what she was experiencing in that worship service was God healing her mm-hmm. miraculously mm-hmm. and instantly. Mm-hmm. And so she felt this healing, and so she reapplied for the job. And that walking that we heard was her making her way back to Manila. Wow. She went to the same clinic that diagnosed her before, wow. and they could find no disease and no evidence that she had ever had the disease. Wow. That's amazing. And the people in Kalapitan, the MPA, mm-hmm. they know there's a God. Mm-hmm. And I know there's a God yeah. in a miraculous way. Mm-hmm. He's powerful and awesome. And that's the God that we work with there in the Philippines. Wow. And that's the basis of this new book, As the enemy roars. Mm-hmm. He's roaring in Bibi's life after all that hard work and everything. But God is faithful in whatever way he needs to be so that his will is done, his will is accomplished, and people come to know. That he is really God, Man. and there is no other. That's powerful. Yeah, very cool. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. That's
0: that's. I'd listen to more stories. We we, we can't we can't go any longer, but I wish we could. Maybe right. we'll have to do a another one before before you head back to the Philippines. Thank you for taking uh, this this hour or so to come and talk about this. I'll have to I'll have to find your book and
1: and read more. Is, is that most of the book is, is stories or is it Stories about the cool? pastors and the churches like that. Oh, that's my favorite. Yeah. And the first book, in the last of the first book, I write the stories of the pastors about their lives. Very cool. About how they come to know the Lord and how the Lord brought them to our church and um, and how the w- Lord worked in each of their lives. This second book is more about them actually starting the churches and mm-hmm. and uh, the obstacles and the blessings and the things that God does. and. So they can make, it, make so it all a, that happen. It's
0: almost a series that you could read back to back. It is. That's right. I, I never thought of it that way, but I, but I, but I guess it, it is. works out that way. Yeah. Very cool. Well, that's awesome. I'll have to, I'll have to look for that. Well, thank you uh, again for, for being with us. I hope uh, if you're listening to this, I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Um, if, if you do not know anything about Axe church, we are a church in Camas, Washington and, um, you can find us at axcamus.org and you can find out more information about us. You can listen to other podcasts. And, uh, if you got something out of this podcast, which I don't know how you couldn't, um, comment or, or like it and, um, share it with, with friends, um, so that we can see how it is impacting um, you and so that we can continue, uh bringing you uh, podcasts that are are worthwhile listening to um so again steve i want to say thank you and uh, we'll catch you guys again next week